Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. I'm your host, Alex Burkett. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you follow and subscribe on all your favorite major podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even Pandora. Joining me today is Kyle Pendergast, who is the co-founder and CEO at Indie Gaming League. He talks about why he chose to be in the kind of the esports industry, but also his path to get to where he is today and how he had to find what he enjoyed doing. If you're new to the podcast, we always have a quick fire challenge. And this week's quick fire challenge is whatever you decide to do, make sure it makes you happy. We always talk about what is that passion that you have? What do you enjoy doing? Because each day you want to get up and be able to smile and be happy at what you're doing. And you don't want to be upset or angry or mad or sad. So find what makes you happy. And in the comments below, or even through my social medias, tell me what makes you happy. What have you decided that is the thing that you enjoy doing? So sit back and relax. Enjoy the Rise to the Challenge of Kyle Pendergast. Welcome back to the show. Join me today. He's the co-founder and CEO of Indie Gaming League. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Each of my guests that come on the show, they talk about each stage of their life and their experiences on how they have rise to the challenge to get to where they are at today. So the first thing we like to do is start right at the beginning. What were you involved in when you were growing up? Oh, um... I mean, how long ago? Like, <laughs> are we talking college, high school, or it could be before before, before college? Before college, like, what were the things that um, you were passionate about and that caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, I I liked science things, sort of engineering things. Um, I was involved in a lot of sports growing up. Uh, my my parents were definitely more um, sports and academic academic. Uh, mindset. Um, I there were a couple times where I tried to, you know, I played video games a lot, but whenever I tried to pursue that as any sort of career, it was kind of like not allowed or shut down. Um, but I guess the truth comes out eventually. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely more engineering focused. And then I went to college at Purdue for uh, to pursue a, biomedic, a biomedical engineering degree. Um, graduated from Purdue with that and then decided I didn't want to be an engineer, uh, went into sort of startup world, um, this program called the Or Fellowship that places graduating seniors with entrepreneurial startup companies, um, worked for a company called Our Health for about three and a half years and then kind of, uh, worked at a couple other or one other company after that before starting Indie Gaming League. During your time at Purdue, were you trying to reach out into different areas to find what you were passionate about after you found out that you weren't ready to go into engineering? Yeah, I mean, I I think for any everyone at that stage in your life, it's definitely a learning experience. I mean, it looks like, did you graduate in 2018? Is that what I saw on your LinkedIn profile? Yes, yeah. 
So, I mean, you're, you're kind of in that stage now, right? Like you're two years out of college and you know, you're doing this talk show and hopefully that works, but maybe, maybe it doesn't and you go do something else. Right. I, I tried a lot of different things. I mean, I started teaching myself software development, um, because I wanted to be able to prototype my own projects and it was a pain in the butt to try to find like a, a developer who would work on stuff with me. So I just said, I'll, I'll learn it myself and then I don't have to, I don't have to wait on any, anyone else. Um, so I did that. I spent a couple of years just, you know, you know, 10, 20 hours a week, um, teaching myself JavaScript and Ruby on rails and uh, a myriad of other languages. And so that's kind of what I do for my company now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've been interested in a wide variety of things. I think it's just a matter of uh, trying a million things until you find something that works and sticks. That's something I was doing in college. I went to college as a sports management degree major and graduated from there with that. And sports has always been a passion of mine and the business side, but it's usually that you have to take one path to get higher up. So it's usually through ticket sales and ticket sales was not an area that I wanted to be in because I was a people person. I was always loving to interact with the crowds, um, talking to individuals. So I knew that I had to find other skill sets. So I found event planning. So I was in charge of organizing charity events for my fraternity. I learned marketing. I learned social media. So just to try to find a wider range of skills. And my skill set ended up finding me to where I'm at today, where I work with a gaming company um, doing helping with state lotteries and casinos and it's been the best experience but i know eventually i'm going to get to where i want to be it's just i'm taking the long route to get there sure after transitioning to after college how did you find that first job yeah um so when i when i was at purdue there was a program called the or fellowship like i mentioned before it was named after governor bob or um, in indiana and uh, the program sets you up with a company to work as a full-time employee for. Um, typically, the companies are startups. Uh, so I worked for a company called Our Health, which at the time was kind of out of startup phase. It was sort of like a, you know, they had sustainable revenue. Um, they were doing they were doing well. So I don't there, there was no risk that traditionally comes with a startup at that point. I mean, there's always some, but. Um, I, I, that's kind of how I got my first job and it was an amazing job. I, you know, did a lot of work directly with the founders of the company. Um, I, I, I got to spin off a company, uh, and then that company spinned back in to, to our health. So that was an interesting story. Um, but ultimately just kind of got to see like how, what I would consider a, a successful business be run. Um, see how the, the inner workings of it and, and get to interact with people who are just really high functioning individuals. What kind of skills did you learn from that position? Oh, I mean, a lot of technical skills, um, kind of, it, it sort of, that's, that's kind of when I started getting on this sort of this software development train, teaching myself coding, which I applied to a couple different functions at our health. Um, but also just a lot of things around like stakeholder management, understanding, you know, who is, who are the decision makers on a particular project or 
or initiative and how do you kind of explain to them what the priorities are if you're not the one that's able to um, sort of uh, dramatically impact it. Um, So, I mean, a big thing about any business, but really in life in general is you got to figure out who's really the, where the, where the power structures lie and you have to figure out how to interact with those to, to kind of serve your own needs, but also the needs of the company and, and other people. Would you say that you had like a mentor or someone you looked up to that inspired you to do better and learn more at the company? Definitely. Yeah. The, I mean, the CEO and I were pretty close. Um, his name was Ben Evans and amazing guy. Um, you know, he worked really hard to make sure to make sure that I had, you know, reasonable experiences and I wasn't just sort of pushing papers. Um, and that really helped me sort of grow as a, as a person. Um, you know, Jeff Wells was the president. He was great as well. Um, my, my, the guy I reported to, Chad Ashcraft, was also amazing. I mean, I had a, I had a great time at, at our health. During the process, did you ever had a time where you were like, I want to look at what's next for me, like challenge yourself in a way to find a different career? Definitely. I mean, that's ultimately why I left. Um, it wasn't because I disliked the company or, or anything like that. It was, it was because um, I knew that I wanted to start my own business someday be involved in a, in a true startup. Uh, so I left to, to join a tiny house company, um, which is like pretty crazy when I think about it. Um, but you know, at the time it kind of made, it made sense to me. I mean, I, I knew the founder really well. She was a friend of mine and I, uh, she was a, a mentor of mine as well at the time. So I, I kind of, I did it sort of for her because I believed in her. Um, tiny houses weren't really my thing. You know, I just, I, I don't really, I didn't find them that appealing, but I wanted to learn from someone who I trusted and, and yeah, had some success in the past. So, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately my, my decision to, to leave was because, you know, at our health, um, I could have stayed, I could have maybe tried to climb the sort of more corporate ladder. Um, and I probably would have been somewhat successful at that. Um, but ultimately I think I, I felt like I had more to learn by, by leaving and, and, um, joining and joining a startup or starting my own company. Working for the tiny house, did you have any knowledge of what the tiny house business was all about or was it brand new and you were learning from scratch? I mean, obviously I did some research and I, she had been the, the, the founder and CEO had been working on the company for about a year before I joined. So I'd, I'd been following it and, you know, we'd been having conversations and, I was, I, I sort of understood like generally what it was about, but you never know a business until you, until you start working in it. Um, you can do as much research as you want, but there's always going to be things that pop up that you don't think of. Um, and, uh, ultimately, you know, I left try tiny in a year just cause it wasn't for me. Um, and I, I, it wasn't a good fit for me. I really wasn't the person they needed for that job. So I made, I made the decision to leave and I started indie gaming league. So talk about the process of starting the Indie Gaming League. Yeah, I mean, we, my friend and I just started running online video game leagues out of our house. And, um, you know, we had more and more people wanted to play. Um, we sort of focused on the casual market. So 
we we basically said like we want to create an experience for casual gamers there's a lot of stuff out there for professional esports athletes there's um, a lot of stuff out there for ultra competitive players but there's not a lot of stuff out there for players like like me you know like i play video games but i'm terrible um like i don't i don't practice 30 hours a week i mean i probably play video games like five hours a week maybe 10 if it's a you know i guess a good week um and there was nothing for me to like join as far as like an intramural basketball league goes like i can go to my local gym and play intramural basketball with a bunch of other sort of mediocre basketball players right but i can't i can't join a video game league and play with other mediocre video mm-hmm. video gamers like i can play on online matchmaking tools and whatever but it's also that's a very impersonal experience like i wanted to play in a i wanted to join something where i could meet other people you know and like create a and have a community around it so that's how igl ultimately formed was sort of a community first but with the backbone of this competitive play and it's been working really well for us you mentioned at the beginning of this interview that you had the idea of going into esports, but you didn't know if that was a career path. Is it kind of like a full circle that now you're back into it, kind of? I mean, it is kind of funny. I mean, I don't, I never really wanted to be like in esports in particular. It was more about video games. Um, like way back in the day, I you know picked up like how to design like a book on designing video games and my parents weren't really supportive of that um which is hilarious because it's like a 150 billion dollar industry now mm-hmm. um and game designers and developers can make a lot of money but um so yeah esports i don't even know if i would consider us an esports company because in reality it's more about connecting people and we we obviously run like esports leagues but the goal is not to like promote the best East players within our leagues. The goal is just to allow people to play the games that they love in a competitive, organized way. Talk about the different games that you guys have in your leagues and tournaments. Like, why did you pick those games, or are they like the popular ones nowadays that people would gravitate towards? Sure. So we we pick games to run events for based off a variety of factors, but. The single most important one is whether or not the game developer is is friendly towards third-party tournament organizers. Um, so uh, in the industry today, there's sort of a mix of game publishers who can be friendly to tournament organizers, and then there's a mix that can be heavily restrictive. Um, so for example, on, on one end of the spectrum, you have um, publishers who put compensation caps on their games so you can only make up to a certain amount in a given year uh, if you're a tournament organizer on the other side of the spectrum you have things like counter-strike that um, and valve who don't care how much you make there's literally no limitations to what you what you want to do so that's the first thing we look at the second thing we look at is obviously like population size how big is the actual game um and you know if they're if they're extremely amicable to tournament organizers and it's a massive game then we're likely to run it run something for it um if it's you know if they're extremely prohibitive and it's a massive game with a large population then probably unlikely to run uh, a competitive experience for it um so it's a mix of sort of those two factors there's a couple of things that we, we look into like 
how positive is the community? Um, are there a bunch of toxic players or are there, are there a bunch of supportive players? You know, so that's kind of, uh, it's a, it's sort of a game time decision. And a lot of times if a game developer approaches us or if we approach a game, a publisher and, and we come to an agreement that like we can run and get, we can run tournaments and leagues and we're allowed to make money off of it, then we'll do it. Even if, even if they're pretty small, um, but ultimately it's, it's really like, do we have the time and how friendly are they and how big is the population? How often do you have like leagues going? Is it all during the week, weekends, or is it seasonal kind of? So it's seasonal right now. So it's very similar to sort of intramural basketball leagues. We run one league every season. So we have a, a summer league, which we're, which registration is open for now. Then we have a fall and then, uh, then winter and spring. Do you, the players that come, are they going for like a prize amount or like a reward or is it just more of the experience and the fun that you guys are offering? A lot of it is more experience and fun. We actually don't have cash prizes. Um, we give away like virtual trophies essentially that, that, that are showcased on your, your IGL profile. But uh, yeah, a lot of it's just for fun. I mean, we do, we do get a lot of really competitive players because they're attracted to our leagues. Um, but ultimately there are other things that they can do to sort of scratch that itch if they want to. How do you use marketing to bring awareness about your organization? Yeah. So uh, marketing for us is really about content creators and influencers. So we partner with, I don't know, close to 30 ish different, um, influencers that, uh, have uh, ranging sort of market audience um, that we work with, and that's where we get a lot of our, our new players in our in our continued engagement. Are these content creators like through Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn? What, what mostly Twitch and YouTube? Yeah, mostly okay. Twitch and YouTube because they're because they're all gamers, right? Like we don't. I'm not. I'm not talking about you know when you think of influencer, you think like girl on a beach right um uh but but what i'm talking about is like these these are these are people who are streaming video games they're creating interesting content in the form of youtube videos um and that they're putting a lot of effort and work into what they do uh so so really what we call them sort of internally as content creators they are influencers but an influencer i think has gotten this connotation that like all they do is take fancy pictures of themselves. Um, whereas, whereas a content creator is actually generating reasonable, useful content that, that their viewers can, can use and very, and however, however they want. Does your organization have a way that they stream like your tournaments and leagues going on? Yep. So we have, we stream everything on Twitch. Um, which is, uh, I don't know if you know Twitch, but it's a, it's the largest, video game streaming platform uh, in the world. Um, and we we allow our players and uh, other community members to cast uh, live matches as well. So for someone that's listening to this thinking that it's, they would think that you are part of esports, what's the major difference from what you guys do to what maybe a high esports organization does? Yeah, I mean, the biggest difference is we, we focus on, one, allowing literally anyone who wants to play participate, 
Um, two, we're heavily, we're community first and competition second. Um, and three, like we just don't, we don't create solutions for players who are trying to be professional esport athletes. We focus on creating solutions and products for um, increasing engagement and increasing sort of the fun factor that people have with us. So it's definitely, um, obviously, like people come for competition, but that's sort of a means to an end. Um, it's to allow people to have fun and enjoy what they're doing. And it's not really to promote the best and the best players in the league. I feel like I need to join this league because I hate playing online and I'm getting like killed or destroyed <laughs> in like the first five seconds. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm done for the day. What what games do you play? So I used to be all about like Nintendo games like Mario Kart, Super Smash, all those. And then Fortnite is now the thing going on right now. But yeah. I don't play like like you said, people who play all day. I'm just one of those casual players that, okay, I'll pick up the controller for a couple hours and that's about it. Like, yeah. when I, I know I play with friends and they get more frustrated than me, I'm like, oh, it happens, I died. Okay, next game, like continue playing. Like I just do it for the fun and they're all like getting so serious. But I'm like, I'm a person that I'll watch someone on Twitch try to learn and play after that. It doesn't work. and. It doesn't work for me, but I <laughs> yeah. enjoy it. Well, here's our – I just sent you a link to our Discord, so if you want to play, jump in our Discord, and maybe you can join a league or two. Oh, definitely. I definitely want to try it out. And um, what would you say is the game that you're hoping to get for the future of your gaming league? Like, what's that one yeah, game that you hope to get? It's a good question. I mean, our goal is to eventually run, run leagues for as many games as possible. Um I mean, some games that we've been or that we're looking at. Uh, I mean, it, it really ranges. Um, you know, Counter Strike is is we don't run leagues for that yet, but like I said, they're an extremely flexible publisher, so that might be an option in the future. Um, people have asked for like Rainbow Six. People have asked for League of Legends. Um, so, and, it, we, and you never know. I mean, we just added Brawlhalla, which is a, like a Super Smash Bros fighting game um, super excited about that one uh, and I don't know if we'll add another game for the next circuit or not but we'll see so you have like a good mixture of different like styles of games shooting fighting all that stuff to appeal to all different markets yep yeah we have like Apex Legends for shooters um, we have Rocket League Super Smash Bros Brawlhalla we Battle Riot um have a yeah quite a we have mage quick killer queen black which are two independent uh, small indie games that are awesome um yeah i mean it's we run a lot of games and we'll definitely be adding more in the future so what does the future look like for you what are your goals that you want to accomplish in the next few years um our goal right now is to hit ten thousand active players by the end of the year um but ultimately i mean we want to build the platform for uh, hundreds of thousands of gamers to, so that you can experience gaming however however you want. Um, if you want to uh, play competitively, you can do that. Um, if you want to meet other people, you can do that. If you want to become a, a caster and live commentate games, we have a plot, we have a way for you to do that. If you want to become a, a coach, you can do that too. If you want to create your own esports org, 
you can do that as well. Um, we have solutions for all of those things. And ultimately we want to be the sort of end all be all for, um, like a gaming community, if you will, maybe like a social network, but a little bit more than that. Um, so yeah, I mean, in general, we just want you to be able to experience it the way that experience video games the way you want to. Um, and there's a, there's, a, you know, with, with traditional sports, you, there comes a point in your life where you're either like, I'm going to try to, you're either going to become a pro or you're not. And then you just stop playing sports basically mm-hmm. with video games. It's not the case. I mean, you, you're, but then because of the nature of video games and that they're online and they're accessible to everyone and they're not, they don't sort of discriminate based off your, um, you know, like your physique or your, your natural talent. Um, at least not as much. There's like this wide spectrum of wants and needs, right? Whereas in traditional sports, you have, you're either ultra competitive or you're not playing sports. And maybe there's some middle ground for like, yeah, I play in some intramural sports leagues, but at the end of the day, those are the two buckets with, with video games. It's not like that. There's a massive, very diverse spectrum of players all wanting different things. Nice to hear that you give a lot of options, like you said, solutions. For someone that has the passion in video games, there's different avenues that they can take, but they can learn from what your organization does, and it appeals to a lot of different people that want to learn. And that's what the great thing about today is, is people are able to learn as much as they can and gain the knowledge that they need to extend their career any way that they want. For someone getting into your industry, what tips and advice would you give someone? Uh, good question. Um, how, if, I would probably suggest that they either try to get a job at a game publisher, because um, they're ultimately the ones that own all the IP and have the most the most control over everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, the esports industry in general is just really difficult to get into. I would definitely... There's just not a lot of that, that industry is trying to figure itself out. So, um, I would, I would, my, you, my, your best bet is trying to go and work for a game publisher who supports esports and go on that route. Um, someday there will be more jobs available. They're still kind of growing and getting there. Um, but right now it's a uh, few and far between. And the final question I'll ask you is for someone that's listening to this interview, what tips or advice would you give someone to rise to their challenge based off of your experience and journey you've taken? Uh, yeah, I mean, just work really hard and think outside the box. Um, try to, try to, try to deliver value fast. Um, cause if you're in any role in life, the faster you can kind of make something worth it, the, the more likely you are to turn heads and capture people's attention. Is there a way that people listening can find out more information about the Indie Gaming League? Yep, they can go to our website, IndieGamingLeague.com. And I I gave you the Discord link as well, so they can go there too. And I'll have all that information in the description of this interview. I want to thank you, Kyle, for coming on to the show and sharing your journey about your experiences through what you've learned over the time. And I can't wait to see what Indie Gaming League does in the future. Awesome. Thanks for making the connection. Tune in next time. Hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. We do have a bonus episode coming out Thursday, or if you are 
listening to this on a later day, we do have a bonus after challenge episode where we talk about the power of positivity. So make sure you tune in later this week or whenever you listen to this about the new episode that comes out. Remember to follow and subscribe on all your major favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and even more. Remember to follow the podcast on Instagram at Rise to the Challenge Podcast and our Facebook page, Rise to the Challenge Podcast, for more exclusive clips and content that you don't get on all your podcast platforms. Remember, you decide what path you take to Rise to the Challenge. Have a great day, everyone.